Welcome to the Grattan Institute podcast channel. This is a discussion of one of Grattan's reports. Welcome to the Grattan Report podcast. You're with Megan from the Grattan Institute, and today we're discussing how to better use hospital safety data in Australia. There's a great deal of information collected on hospital safety in Australia, but this data could and should be more accurate, relevant, accessible, and understandable. Enhancing the way we collect, disseminate and use this data will ensure Australia's hospitals are safer and improve patient care. So how do we do so? I'm joined today by Health Program Director Stephen Duckett, author of Grattan's latest report, Strengthening Safety Statistics, How to Make Hospital Safety Data More Useful, which makes a number of recommendations on how we could use safety data more effectively. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, Megan. Stephen, this report is obviously all about hospital outcomes data. Why are these publicly funded data sets so important? Well, the the safety agenda is is increasing in in its visibility. Uh, Over the last uh, couple of years, we've had some serious safety scandals uh, in Victoria. We've had safety scandals in other states uh, previously. And so what we're interested in knowing is uh, how can we help hospitals understand what's going on and monitor their safety performance, compare their safety performance with other hospitals, and generally improve the whole operation of the, of the health system. And so in order to do that, we've got to have comparable data, we've got to have data that's in the hands of clinicians, we've got to have uh, data that's uh, meaningful and so on. And this is just becoming more and more important uh, every day. You note an interesting survey result in the report, um, that being 97% of board members of Victorian hospitals think their hospital is safer than average. Now, obviously, that's not possible. So what's causing these boards to seemingly be so out of touch with the safety of their own hospitals? Yeah, this was a survey done uh, by colleagues at the University of Melbourne, and, you know, 70% think they're better or way better and the 27% or whatever it is think they're around average or or whatever, and this tiny fraction think they're below average or admit they're below average. Now, the, the, the I, we call that the Lake Wobegon effect after this famous uh, Garrison Keeler show where all the children were above average. But it's actually also got a scientific name called the Kruger-Dunning effect because people misperceive where they stand generally. But I put it down in this instance to hospitals not knowing. They don't have comparative data. They know their own performance, and some and better hospitals have uh, tracked their own performance over time, but few hospitals have information about how they compare on a broad range of statistics uh, with other hospitals. There are some uh, groups that actually work together collaboratively to to get that information and share the information, but by and large, most hospitals don't have comparative performance information. They don't know how they benchmark. And so it's not a surprise that the boards have no no clue about what their real performance is. So obviously, in order to get a better understanding, they need need the data. Um, The report makes mention of two data sources, routine data and clinical registries data, and suggests ways to improve these data sets. Firstly, what is the difference between routine data and clinical registries data? So the routine data, the routine data sets are data sets on every patient discharged from every hospital in the country. So they're complete and universal. 
public and private hospitals. And the routine data sets have three different sorts of information in. They have clinical information, like diagnosis of the patients. Uh, they have uh, demographic information, like uh, their age and sex of the patient. And they've got administrative information, like you know, were they insured patients or not. And so they've got a lot of great information in them. Uh, we've got the, we hold these data sets and you know there are about five million observations a year so they're they're big big data sets uh, and as I said comprehensive but they don't have every bit of information about every about all the patients there are some some information they don't have they typically don't have information follow-up information like whether the patient died 30 30 days after or sometime after being admitted they don't have um, pathology results, they don't have x-ray results, they don't have special questionnaires. And sometimes clinicians are interested in that more detailed information and you can do much more with more detailed information. For example, you can analyse, uh, if you've collected information on joint replacements, you can analyse, um, do different prostheses, so um, hip or knee prostheses uh, that are used in uh, joint replacement surgery, do they have different failure rates and so on. So over time, clinicians have got together and have collected what are called registries, where they, for a subset of patients, they might be patients with a particular diagnosis, they might be patients with a particular procedure, uh, they collect additional information just about those patients. And this is what we call registry data or clinical quality registry. So essentially you've got a comprehensive data set in routine data, but which doesn't individualise to each patient's circumstances or, you know, yeah. doesn't gather that kind of nuanced information, whereas the more nuanced data set with clinical registries data doesn't always capture a representative sample of patients. Yeah, so, you know, paraphrasing, I think it was Abraham Lincoln or someone like that, you, you can collect some of the information about all of the patients or all of the information about some of the patients. So, <laughs> yeah. so your routine data is some of the information about all of the patients and the registry data is all of the information about some of the patients. But in fact, that's a bit of a, <laughs> a, a funny summary because one of the problems of registry data is that, as I said, it's typically about a single diagnosis or a single procedure. Uh, but many patients nowadays have multiple diagnoses. And so if you go in for a hip replacement, for example, and there's a quite a good joint register uh, in Australia, if you go in for a hip replacement, you might also have heart problems or diabetes or some other, and there might be a special, another registry sitting over there and you've got inf information about the same patient ending up in two registries, which is pretty silly. So then could these data sources be used differently to play to their strengths? Yes. So what we're saying is all of the data sources have some problems with them and all of them need to be improved. And so, for example, you can make them more efficient. I mean, if you share the information, if you share the infrastructure, if you share the, the processing, uh, you, can, you can probably reduce the costs. If you, in the case of the uh, routine data, if you add a few more variables, you can use it much more powerfully. In the case of the registries, if, if you know, the tip, some registries are sort of the secret squirrels of the world where they only provide data back to the people who provided them the data. And the real issue here is what happens if something is identified where there's a problem that's gone wrong? Can, should not 
the registry provide that information back to the managers who are responsible for, for looking at for the, the hospital, for example, so that they can start to do something about it. So, you know, what we're saying is data by itself is useless. It's only data that is in use, that's actually in the hands of the right people uh, that really matters and that can really start to change and improve uh, safety of hospital care. So we've got routine data and clinical registries data, and then additionally the report mentions death audit data, patient reported experiences and outcomes, as well as incident reporting. With all that, it seems we already collect loads of data from hospitals. I, I mean, you know, a staggering 140,000 incident reports are filed each year in New South Wales alone. Is it enough data? Do we need more still, or do we just need to get better at using what we have? We're awash with data, um, and what what is the tragedy is, you know, we're not. First of all, we're not using the data as we should, and I've talked a little bit about that. But also, we can use, we can, we we can collect. Uh, we can make the data so much more useful, linking the data sources. You know, so for example, we already know whether someone dies. It's in the death data sets. If we link that routinely to the hospital data sets, we'd then be able to say, improve our safety performance, our safety measurement by saying, we can now easily calculate 30-day mortality rates or 90-day mortality rates. And so just get so much more out of the data sets without collecting a single additional data point that is just merging and using the data we've got. There is... Um, a trend, it might even be called a fad, uh, to talk about patient-reported outcome measures. So this is saying that one of the things that's important is what the patient thinks about their outcomes rather than just using clinical outcomes. So, for example, a person presents to hospital um, and uh, with pain in their, in their knee, for example, and we offer them a knee replacement. So it's the knee replacement is a response to a patient need. Now, we can then say to the patient, what's your level of pain before you go into a hospital and what's your level of pain after you've had this knee replacement um, and, and have, has it improved or how much has it improved? And in England, they collect exactly that information. Uh, they collect information from the patient before a knee replacement and after a knee replacement. And uh, there's obviously substantial variation across England in, in the extent to which patients improve. And so, you know, so, this, so we're now beginning to say, many countries are beginning to say, well, we ought to be collecting more of this sort of information. One of the problems of this, of course, is you've got to make sure you use it, just like I've spoken about the information we already collect. How would you use that? How would you use that to drive improvements in patient responsiveness or safety of care or quality of care? And I think we've got to do a lot of thinking about how we use the data before we actually uh, embark too much on the collection of this patient-reported outcome measures. Mm. So you, you've just mentioned, um, and the report recommends routinely linking the data. What do you mean by that exactly? So the example I just gave is mm. a good one. That is, we already have death registry data people are you know the, the registrars of birth deaths and marriages have information on deaths and very often there are uh, studies that actually link that for a particular purpose a particular once-off purpose but at the moment it's easy to calculate 
in-hospital mortality, that is, does someone die? And you can compare one of the performance indicators that's used nationally is the death rate in low mortality diagnosis-related groups, low mortality conditions. Uh, but it would be so much more powerful if you said, look, we're not only interested in death rate in hospital, but death rate shortly after hospital. So uh, looking at 30-day mortality rather than just in-hospital mortality. And to do that, you have to at the moment, you have to link the data sets. Especially, you have to get special approval to do it. What we're saying is that ought to be part of the routine. We ought to be linking these data sets much more frequently. It certainly does seem to be an important step in the process. In fact, earlier this year, I believe um, Productivity Commission Chair Peter Harris referred to unlinking data as burning books. So why do you think it is that we continue to do so? Are there any reasons why hospital data sets aren't automatically linked? I think, you know, there was a prevailing view 20 or 30 years ago that you you shouldn't link the data because it was Big Brother and the data might all be leaked and, and there would be the, an imposition on patient privacy. I think in this day and age, uh, people's attitudes have changed now and sure... Everybody still thinks privacy is important. I think privacy is important. In a previous job, my data was leaked uh, and used inappropriately. Um, so I'm acutely aware of the importance of patient privacy. But I think people now expect that, for example, if they've told a health provider, the first health provider, one thing, they shouldn't have to tell the same, the, you know, another doctor in the same hospital the same information and and they're expecting that we're a bit more so the health sector is a bit more sophisticated about how we use data and and the extent we've got data linked so i think patient attitudes have changed a lot over the last 30 years and i don't think our practices have mm. what about the way it's presented are we communicating what we do have in the best way possible Oh, look, uh, Megan, there are a number of problems with this. One is sometimes we don't communicate at all. So we don't tell patients, for example, the, the risks of uh, surgery in Hospital A is different from Hospital B. Um, so we're not disclosing the information to patients, which I think informed consent would suggest we ought to. Um, and also, when we do disclose the information, say to hospital managers or, or clinicians, we, do, we disclose it in a way which is totally opaque. Uh, you know, not everybody has got, you know, 10 degrees in statistics and, and can understand every nuance of, of how the data are presented. So we need to recognise that we have to put a lot of effort into how we present the data so it's truly meaningful to patients and doctors and uh, managers and so on. And just to kind of sort of bring it all together as one, the, the report does make specific recommendations. Can you just wrap up for me what the key recommendations are that you're suggesting? Well, basically, they're all about making the data more useful or, or rather, what do we need to do to say, we've got a huge investment in, in health data in this country. Can we improve its use by little changes of various kinds? And it's all about, um, in, in some cases, it's about transparency. We've got the data, make sure the people who need the data have, have, are using it. So that it's a sort of a transparency agenda. Sometimes it's enhancing the data we've got and leveraging the data by linkage, for example. Sometimes 
It's about saying we've got to improve the quality of the data. So sometimes in the case of clinical registries, the quality registries I mentioned, you know, it's sometimes it's only the enthusiasts who are collecting the data and reporting the data. And we don't have, we've got no idea, or I suspect that those enthusiasts are the better doctors. Um, so we've got, we're saying, well, look, if we're going to have a registry, let's make sure that you've got the vast bulk of the, the doctors or hospitals reporting. So it's all about making the data more useful and thus helping to improve safety and quality more directly with the minimum investment. How do we go about implementing this change? Well, a lot of the, the burden falls on, on governments to do this. They're the ones that are responsible for the routine data, for example. They're the ones that often fund the registries, for example. So it's, it's often about governments saying, hello, we're spending a lot of money on, on this. Let's get better value for money. And we're pointing to these issues for them to take up. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Stephen. Um, if you'd like to download a copy of Stephen's report, head to our website, grattan.edu.au. As always, you can stay up to date with all of Grattan's news, reports and events by subscribing to our Twitter at Grattan Inst or on Facebook, Grattan Institute. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then help your friends to find it by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating or review. Thanks for listening. Grattan Institute is uniquely positioned to bring an independent, rigorous and practical lens to big issues in public policy, with the capacity to talk honestly to both sides of politics. We maintain this unique position through the generosity of the public and our affiliate companies. If you would like to find out more about contributing to our continued independence, head to our website to donate, grattan.edu.au. This has been a Grattan Institute podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes.